0: In those days, Caesar Augustus declared that everyone throughout the empire should be enrolled in the tax lists. This first enrollment occurred when Quirinius governed Syria. Everyone went to their own cities to be enrolled. Since Joseph belonged to David's house and family line, he went up from the city of Nazareth in Galilee to David's city, called Bethlehem in Judea. He went to be enrolled together with Mary, who was promised to him in marriage, and who was pregnant. While they were there, the time came for Mary to have her baby. She gave birth to her firstborn child, a son, wrapped him snugly and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the guest-room. Nearby, shepherds were living in the fields, guarding their sheep at night. The Lord's angel stood before them, and the Lord's glory shone around them, and they were terrified. The angel said, Don't be afraid. Look, I bring good news to you, wonderful, joyous news for all people. Your Savior is born today in David's city. He is Christ the Lord. This is a sign for you. You will find a newborn baby wrapped snugly and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great assembly of the heavenly forces was with the angel, praising God. They said, Glory to God in heaven, and on earth peace among those whom he favors. When the angels returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, Let's go right now to Bethlehem and see what's happened. Let's confirm what the Lord has revealed to us. They went quickly and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. When they saw this, they reported what they had been told about this child. Everyone who heard it was amazed at what the shepherds told them. Mary committed these things to memory and considered them carefully. The shepherds returned home, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. Everything happened just as they had been told. When eight days had passed, Jesus' parents circumcised him and gave him the name Jesus. This was the name given to him by the angel before he was conceived. When the time came for their ritual cleansing in accordance with the law from Moses, they brought Jesus up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. It's written in the law of the Lord, Every firstborn male will be dedicated to the Lord. They offered a sacrifice in keeping with what's stated in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. A man named Simeon was in Jerusalem. He was righteous and devout. He eagerly anticipated the restoration of Israel, and the Holy Spirit rested on him. The Holy Spirit revealed to him that he wouldn't die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Led by the Spirit, he went into the temple area. Meanwhile, Jesus' parents brought the child to the temple, so that they could do what was customary under the law. Simeon took Jesus in his arms and praised God. He said, Now, Master, let your servant go in peace according to your word, because my eyes have seen your salvation. You prepared this salvation in the presence of all peoples. It's a light for revelation to the Gentiles, and a glory for your people Israel. His father and mother were amazed by what was said about him. Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, This boy is assigned to be the cause of the falling and rising of many in Israel, and to be a sign that generates opposition, so that the inner thoughts of many will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your innermost being too. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, who belonged to the tribe of Asher. She was very old. After she married, she lived with her husband for seven years. She was now an 84-year-old widow. She never left the temple area, but worshipped God with fasting and prayer night and day. She approached at that very moment and began to praise God and to speak about Jesus to everyone who was looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. When Mary and Joseph had completed everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to their hometown, Nazareth in Galilee. The child grew up and became strong. He was filled with wisdom, and God's favor was on him. Those of you who have been attending services here for a while may already know this, but I came to the church relatively late. I mean, when I was growing up, my family was uh, Catholic, kind of non-practicing Catholic, and I went to Catholic services every now and then, and I went to services at Methodist and Lutheran and Baptist churches with my friends, and I went to services at the Jewish synagogue with my friends as well. But it wasn't until really, I was already an adult with a family of my own that I came to the church in earnest and began studying in earnest. And it was because, really, because I found this interpretation of Christianity that was so different from what I had experienced previously, both in the general culture kind of and and in those visits that I had gone on to the churches of my friends' families when I was growing up because every time I went to the churches of my friends, families growing up, I always heard that God's salvation in Jesus was only for some people. It was only for the people whom God had chosen to be saved. And this idea was just so difficult for me to, um, to make peace with, if you will, to understand, to comprehend, to accept, given my own experiences and my understanding of the nature of God and everything. And so it wasn't until I was in the UU, uh, the Unitarian Universalist ministry program, studying at a Unitarian Universalist s- seminary, when I discovered the the original Universalist church in America and began reading the um, universalist Christian publications that I could find both from before the merger of the UU churches and um, since that time, because there had been a continuing publication uh, going on, you know, uh, UU Christian uh, association. And it wasn't until I started reading those things that I really began to think maybe, maybe Christianity is for me after all. <laughs> and it wasn't until I found a church in the area that really embraced this idea that, that God's love and and salvation through Jesus Christ comes to all people, not just to some, but to all, and that everyone is invited just the way they are, that God loves you just the way you are, God meets you where you are. It wasn't until I found a church that really embraced those things and lived them in their in their life, not just said them out loud, that I really came to the church. And I think that's probably true for a good number of people. I think uh, there are a lot of people who leave the, the Christian church of their childhood because of these messages they hear about damnation and about hate and about us versus them, the saved and the unsaved and whatnot. And many of those folks who leave, they just leave. They never come back some find other religious traditions that work better for them. Uh, I'm sure this is part of why, uh, Western Buddhism has, has grown in the U S in the last 50 years, uh, outside of, of those who brought it from their native countries, of course. Um, but the kind of uniquely Western, um, uniquely American understanding of Buddhism that is, that has grown there. I'm sure that's why, uh, People come all the time to UU churches, for example, or uh, or to Unity churches, uh, is for these same kind of reasons. And I certainly, when I was serving UU churches, I saw that a lot. I saw a lot of people who came with, from a place of hurt, who didn't want to hear anything about Christianity, but wanted to have a religious community to be a part of. When I was uh, in seminary, after I had really embraced Christianity and I had uh, started my studies to become a Christian minister and I was back in Austin in seminary I decided to start taking part in the Austin Pride Parade every year and so I would go and I would dress up in my my clericals and my collar and my stole and I would walk in the pride parade and uh, it wasn't just me. There, there was a group of us that would all go, and to see the reactions from people was was so amazing. I mean, we would walk along, you know, and and we were just we just had signs that said, you know, God loves you, um, things like that, and very simple stuff. And and people would, you know, would would cheer for us. Um, you know, we I remember one time we came around a corner, and and there was this guy on the side of the parade. And he like called me over and he just gave me a big hug, you know? Um, and it was obviously, you know, he had this hurt of his own, probably growing up in a, in a home where he was not welcome because of who he was in a church that didn't welcome him because of who he was. So to see somebody and somebody specifically who looks like the, the kinds of people who would normally, be pushing him away, um, to see somebody like that welcoming and, and telling him that that God loves him was uh, a great joy for him, I think. And for a lot of people, and that's why I did the walk. That's why I did the, the march because the parade, because it was, it was, I think it's important to remind people that this idea that, that God's love and God's salvation through Jesus is for all people not just for some i think it's the the great truth of christianity that has been so lost and neglected and and pushed away in the history of the church in you know largely in along with largely in the, in the goal of of control of some kind right i mean one of the reasons why you say us versus them is that You want to separate yourself from the world. You want to separate yourself from the other people. You want to create a group of people which don't matter as much as you do. So you say, well, we're the saved and they're not. And oh, if only they would change their ways, they might be saved too. But the truth is that we're all children of God and God loves us all. So our reading today, and it was was kind of long, our reading today is from the second chapter of Luke. So in the first chapter, which was our our reading last week, uh, Luke talks about the angels coming to Mary and telling Mary that she's going to have a baby and explaining that the baby um, will be named Jesus and that he will be very special. And also that before that, um, the angels of God come to uh, Mary's relatives to tell them about the uh, the birth of John, John the Baptist, who will lead the way for Jesus. And so here we can we continue that story with uh Joseph and Mary being uh, ha- having to go from their home in Nazareth in Galilee to Bethlehem for a census. So that they can be counted by the government, and when they get there, they you know they don't they don't have a home there, and so they they look for somewhere to stay, and it's very crowded because everyone is coming for this census, and so the the inns and the you know the, the places that people would stay are all full, and they can't find any room, and so they they end up uh, in a manger or in a in a stable is often how it's put. Uh, likely, this was actually kind of like the the first floor, where the animals are brought in out of the cold. But it, but it wasn't like a separate building, like out, out separately. It was just where they would have had room to put someone up in, a, in an extra bed, kind of thing. So they they're in this this place, and and from our text today, we can see that Mary and Joseph are very poor. Uh, when they go later and later in the reading, when they go to give an offering at the temple, uh, instead of taking a lamb, which would be, which is what the, the law of Moses requires, they take two doves, which is the, what the law of Moses says, you know, if you're not able to bring a lamb, then you can bring these instead. This is like the, the less expensive option um, for the, for the sacrifice. So, you know, we can tell through all these things through the way that they' that they stay in the manger, through the the bringing of the of the meager gifts um, for the offering we can we can tell that they these are not well to do people these are these are very um, very average people living average lives that God has has tapped to be something more than average. So anyway, so Mary has the baby and then the angels appear to the shepherds. And so we get this, uh, we get this, these various songs, angels. We have whom we have heard on high, um, is, is an example, um, of one of these songs of the angels appearing to the shepherds as the shepherds are watching their flocks and telling them, you know, look, we bring you tidings, uh, of great joy. That'll be to all people for on this day is born to you in the city of David a Savior, it's Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign unto you. You will find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. The famous speech that Linus gives in the Peanuts Christmas special. <laughs> um, And this, this was also a big deal because shepherds were also uh, not well-to-do people. The angels didn't come to the kings and to the the, the religious elite and announced the coming of Jesus. They came to the shepherds, to the, to the everyday people, to the people of the land, to the, the regular Joe. That's who they appeared to. And they told them to come and, and, and worship and be, be joyful. And again, and in this, in this verse, we see, they say that there'll be a joy to all people, not, not just to some, not just to Israel, but to all people. And then the second reading that we read, it comes later. So after Jesus is born on the eighth day, it was the law that all Jewish males should be circumcised. And so Mary and Joseph, who are very, um, uh, very good kind of practicing uh, Jews of their, of their time, they go to the temple in Jerusalem to have their boy circumcised. And while they're there, they give an offering. This is a little off because the, the, the offering is not for Jesus, but it's, it's really, it's, it's the, um, the purification offering for Mary because when in the Jewish tradition, when a woman gave birth, she was ritually unclean for a period of time afterwards And, uh, you would, after that time was over, you would go and give this purification offering. And really it should have been, I think more than 30 days. I think it's like 33 days or something. So there's a a little bit of discrepancy here. And I think it's important, you know, we, we have this idea in, uh, in Western culture, especially in, in kind of American and, um, British culture, this idea of in the, in the common culture of Christmas Eve. And it, and it's, we see the the we see mary and joseph uh, you know riding on a donkey into bethlehem going from place to place looking for somewhere to stay not being able to stay anywhere getting put in a barn with the animals having to put their their baby in in the food trough the manger because there was nowhere else to put the baby they didn't have any furniture there and then they're they're sitting there and then the 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 wise men come from afar following the star and they and they come to visit the baby and they bring gifts um, there's you know everyone is coming around the baby Herod is looking for the child and so the wise men es- escape by another way and then uh because Herod is looking for the child they they uh come god comes and God's messenger comes in the night and, and tells Joseph to flee to Egypt and Joseph and gets Mary and they flee in the night to Egypt. And that's kind of the story we have in our heads, all one narrative. And in there is the the shepherds and the shepherds coming and, and everything. But the truth is that of the four gospels, two of them don't say anything at all about the birth of Jesus. And the other two have conflicting stories. And it's not that they're, that they're wrong or that they're telling, um, that one of them is, is, is correct. And one of them is not, or that something like that. I mean, they the, the stories can be, can be worked together. The point is that in our culture, in our mind, we had this idea that, that has come about over many years and people who haven't actually read the text may not realize that it's not exactly the way it, that we see it on TV and in shows and things. So the point I'm trying to make is, is that the text we're reading is from Luke. And Luke is writing to um, Christians who are living in Rome when he writes the text. And so he has a very specific audience, and he's telling a story. He's, he's telling um, a, a biography, a histiography of Jesus in the style of uh, Greek Writing at the time, and so the the ancient historians were not as interested in exact facts as we are today as historians, so they were not as interested in in is this exactly the order of events you know uh, what exactly happened? Where you know? Where exactly did they go? They're much more interested, and especially in Luke's case, of telling a story. And Luke is telling a theological story. He's talking about why Jesus is is the Son of God, why Jesus is the Messiah, and so he's his, all of his storytelling is in that vein. And so he's he's maybe leaving out details. He's maybe getting order of things incorrect, uh, but that doesn't matter because then he's telling. Uh, a story, an overall story that, you know, that all of this feeds into a greater narrative. And so we shouldn't get caught up on the, on the details. For example, the census that he talks about, uh, the things I've read said that that census actually took place something like five years after Jesus's birth. But at the time that Luke is writing the, the gospels, everyone knows about this census. It was this big deal. It was a big pain. It was seen as, you know, as, um, Rome having, you know, too much control over the populace and all these kinds of things. And so people would know what it was. And so when he was talking about it and telling the story, it would, it would be an, um, a well-known event that he could talk about as kind of a, uh, a way to, to, remind people of when the story takes place, generally speaking, even if it's not exactly at the right time. So we shouldn't take the story too, too, too literally. We should take it from a spiritual theological perspective more than, more than anything else. So after Jesus is um, circumcised in the temple, he runs into two different prophets. And I think it's really cool here to, to, see that one of the prophets is a man and one of the prophets is a woman, because I think people tend to forget that there were lots of female prophets uh, in Israel, but they both tell the family that, that Jesus is special and they, they both um, tell the family that, that, you know, Jesus is the Messiah and, and other things. It's just, you know, continuation you know, before Jesus is born. We have uh, people talking about how Jesus will be, will be, Wonder, you know, uh, special and and wonderful, and then after Jesus is born, that we just continue that that um, line of of storytelling. Right? The, the point is that other people besides Jesus's family recognized that Jesus was special. So now, with kind of a poor transition, <laughs> because I want to go over the text and I want to I want to teach. And improve your understanding of the of the text, especially especially the Christmas texts, because I don't think they're well known um, by kind of the average Christian. Um, I, I think that they kind of get brushed over instead of read in depth. But back to the to the point of my sermon as a whole, which is good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. So one of the things that that this text says is that the, uh, the good tidings will be to all people, not just some people, not just Israel, but to all people. And it comes up a couple of times. Uh, you know, it comes up in the, when the angels are are talking. So in our translation, it says, I bring good news to you. Wonderful, joyous news for all people. Your savior is born today in David's city. He is Christ. The Lord. And then later when, when um Simeon is is holding Jesus and talking about him, he says um, You've prepared this salvation in the presence of all peoples. It is a light for revelation to the Gentiles and a glory for your people Israel. So he's again he is holding up this idea that it's for all people, all people. So the point I really want to make here is is about it being for all people. When this this has been the Christmas season and we've all been really busy. You know, COVID put a weird um wrench in our Christmas plans. I'm sure in everyone's Christmas plans ours included being in Japan, being thousands of miles away from most of our family. You know, no one could come this year. Last year we had someone come and, and we had family come and visit and we got to see people this year. We had to do everything over zoom or, or phone calls. And for a lot of folks whose families are much closer, it was the same. I think a lot of folks had to, had to have family gatherings uh, over zoom, or they tried their best to have uh, as safe an in-person gathering as they could. But in this time of Christmas, we often have this this experience of returning home we have people who who come together to to be with their family you know when you're older and you you're you're out of your parents' home and you have your own family you don't go and see your parents that often you know a lot of people only see their parents once or twice a year uh, especially if they live far away and it's the same with lots of family aunts and uncles and everybody and the 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 problem of family coming back together is that when we live apart for so long we, we tend to change. We tend to alter our, our beliefs and our understandings of things. Our our positions change. And so when we come back together we, we fall back into old habits. We fall back into old ways of being together. And we we tend to argue and we tend to, to get into fights with people. And this is really common. This is so common during Christmas and Thanksgiving that there are jokes about it all over the media. Um, you know, I don't know how many of you might watch Saturday Night Live, but they, they sometimes have jokes about this, you know, that going back to, to home and the family arguing over various political issues and things. But I think that what I see far too often is that people forget that, the thing that God asks for first is love It's to love one another. We see a lot of people arguing. We see a lot of people fighting. We see people cutting out their family members because of the way they behave. And I just think it's a shame. I read a, a, a story this week about uh, a mother whose, um, whose daughter came out as transgendered, and when um when the mother told her father in preparation for going to her father's house for Christmas dinner, when the mother told her father that her daughter uh, was now using she her pronouns and and had a new name and it wasn't it wasn't like what do you think of this it was like this is how it is that we want you to know and uh, she told her father you know. We know people will make mistakes. Just try your best. It, you know it, it's okay if you make mistakes. Don't worry about it. We're just going to try. And her father's response was um, not pleasant, shall we say? And he uninvited her and her family from the Christmas dinner over this. And her her mother ended up bringing them Christmas dinner anyway and leaving her father alone in the house on Christmas to, to be upset, I guess. And then later on, this ended up in the dissolution of their marriage. Uh, You know, it's been several years and the, the family hasn't talked to each other. All of this over something that is relatively so, simple so so basic such such a small ask just to call someone what they want to be called we can let our fear we can let our our political beliefs we can let our hate become a barrier between us and those we love and i hope that in this christmas season you are able to to work past those things and to see that God's love is for all people, that we are all beloved children of God. And to come together with those whom you love and be with them in whatever way you can, over Zoom, whatever way you can, is so important. Not to let these small things... That come up in the name of religion keep you from being with those that you love. Anyway, I think that was a bit of a meandering sermon, so I apologize. <laughs> but it's been on my mind, and I thought that the reading today um, really hit home for me about good tidings of great joy which will be to all people. The good news of Jesus is it. Jesus came into the world for all of us and God coming into the world and living the human life and understanding what it means to be a human being all of that is wrapped up in this idea of the birth to a human mother in a very human way in (laughs) in a small town in the middle of nowhere I mean what more ordinary way to live than that so may God's blessing be good tidings of great joy for all people this Christmas for you as well Amen